0: We want to welcome this congregation on this lovely, beautiful February morning. And I trust and pray that everyone is well this morning. We'd like to welcome everyone that is here in this building today. Every man, woman, boy, girl, and infant child in the womb, out of the womb, and those that are still in the loins of their daddies. I I pray for every one of those as well. Now, I would like to say this morning, beloved, not only welcome to this congregation, but we will have people join us On Rumble today, all across the United States, and we want to welcome those dear uh, people, the Israelites, who are descended from the Celtic, Anglo-Saxon, Germanic, Scandinavian, Gothic, European peoples of the world. They are God's covenant people. Israel, the people the Bible was written to, for, and about. May God be praised today as we open up the King James Bible and turn to the Gospel of John chapter number 17. We're so happy today to turn to John's Gospel, chapter number 17. And I'd like to say on, for and on behalf of myself that every time I stand behind this pulpit, I want to pause and thank my God for another joyous privilege to stand behind this pulpit. Because I know that my ability to do that is only a gift from God by His grace. So thank and praise my Father in heaven. And I am so blessed today to just welcome everyone here and everyone away from here. Let's all have a wonderful time together. Let us pray, dear God in heaven. O gracious Father, how we need Thee, how Your covenant people need Thee in a day of such calamity that is upon us, with our borders being overrun and a horde coming in upon this land. O merciful God, how desperately we need a sovereign God to exercise His love and grace toward us the remnant of these people and father all across america today i pray for the remnant church of god i pray for the remnant church of god in every land oh merciful god in the dominion of canada and the british isles across europe scandinavia in australia new zealand south africa and wherever your children are lord god i pray for your Israelite people everywhere, Father in heaven, save a remnant, my Lord and my God. And as you uh, admonish the prophet Joel to say, let the priests, the ministers of the living God, weep between the porch and the altar, and let them cry out and say, Save thy people, O God. Give not thy heritage to reproach, that the heathen should rule over them, lest they say, where is their God? God of Israel, hear your pre- the prayers of your people today and come and save us and we'll give you all the praise and the glory both now and ever, forever and ever. Amen and amen and amen. John's Gospel chapter 17. <clears throat> well, uh, let me open up this little lesson with a, with a story. There was a raging storm out on the sea. There's a ship full of people, small ship, and the waves were tossing that ship and it was about to sink. And of course, the captain cried out and said, is there anyone aboard this ship that knows how to pray? And a pastor waved his hand and said, sir, I know how to pray. The captain said, that's wonderful because I've got enough life jackets for everybody but one person so you pray and the rest of us are putting on our life jackets so pray for us all the ship sank the rest of this story will be told on the day of judgment all right john chapter 17 john 17 god in heaven send your holy spirit to guide us now i'm turning to john gospel chapter 17 one of the most beautiful passages in all of the bible and dear church these words were written by the inspiration of the holy spirit when jesus on the eve of his death he's he's about ready to be crucified and he's either in the garden of gethsemane or he's on his way or just about to leave uh, the last supper or wherever they were at gathered and this when he got I believe, into the Garden of Gethsemane. This is Jesus as very man, fully man, praying. This is Jesus in His manhood. In the one Jesus Christ, there are two natures. Fully God, fully man. Not half man, not half God. Fully God, true God. And fully man, true man not to be confused divided one jesus christ in two natures that's the hypostatic union that's the joining together of the god divinity of christ with the man fully man perfect man adam man just like the first adam and jesus as a man not as god You have to understand that as you read the Bible sometimes the deity of Jesus is being manifest more often than not his manhood only is being manifested when Jesus is in his manhood it's fully man he's not borrowing one little anything from his divinity with that thought in mind here is the prayer of Jesus. In the garden before he goes to his death oh what beautiful words try to put yourself in the role of Jesus on the way to the cross to be inflicted with the torture of the cat of nine tails to eventually suffocate and expire Jesus, in agony, lifted up his eyes to heaven. Jesus, and he said, the Bible says, John 17, 1, these words spake Jesus. And he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy Son, that thy Son may also glorify thee. Look at the next verse. As thou hast given him power over all flesh. Power over all flesh, what a statement. That means that Jesus was given power over every person alive. From every race, every climate, every country, every part of earth. Thou has given him power over all flesh. The next statement is a, an amazing statement. That he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. Jesus will never give salvation to anyone that is not named in the Father's gift of the elect people that were chosen by Father, God the Father, to be saved. God the Father made the choice. And He gave the choice, the list of those to be chosen. In every generation, in every generation, the gospel has been preached almost everywhere, but only God is going to call those who are to be saved. If you believe today that you have been called as part of a chosen body, then let's give our hearts in our minds in our daily walk in this world let's confirm it by the life that we live by the choices that we make by the bible that we believe by the people that we encourage by all the, the different ways that we can demonstrate our love to god as thou has given him power over all flesh that He should give eternal life to as many as Thou hast given Him. And if I could depart over to John 6, John chapter number 6. In that chapter, Jesus said, All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and I will lose none. Isn't that amazing? That God did the choosing... From the foundation of the world, before the world was, God chose his elect. And then he said to Jesus, I'm going to give you power over all flesh, but you will give eternal life to as many as thou, Jesus said, has given me. Now I'm going to ask you to look at verse 3. Because that verse is why we are here today, and that verse is the foundation for our lesson today. Lesson number two, and titled, The Trinity in Creation, Redemption, and Salvation. The Holy Triune God in Creation, Redemption, Salvation. So let's look at verse number three, John 17. And this is eternal, is life eternal. Now, here's the best definition of life eternal in the Bible. This is life eternal, that they might know thee, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. Then Jesus said, as he lifted his eyes to heaven, I have glorified Thee on earth. On earth. I have glorified Thee on earth. I have finished the work which Thou gavest Me to do, and now, O Father, glorify Thou Me with the glory which I had with Thee before the world was." Did Jesus pre-exist? Did the God-man. Jesus pre exists his manhood. Everybody knows the answer. Jesus is the word. In the beginning was the word, the word was with God. The word was God. John 1, 1, 2. With this is our beginning, dear church. Now, the handout that I gave you this morning is entitled, What Must All Remnant Christians Understand in Our Time and Season of History? Well, here's what I think we need to remember. Our greatest responsibility in this world today is to live in godly repentance, to make it, making sure that all things in our lives are right with God, And we do that by humility, meekness, confessing our sins to God through faith in Christ and His shed blood. And this is our number one priority, to make all things right with God. That means... You cannot harbor unforgiveness. You dare not live in bitterness, unforgiveness, grudges. Forgive, forgive, forgive until it becomes habitual. And our next priority is to take our strength and our personal commitment and help those. In our circle our families the ones we love that's what we do because we live in a season and time of history when every one of us are being sorely tested by the things going on around us in this country today we live in a time beloved that ought to cause millions of Americans to live in godly repentance, to be on their knees seeking the face of God for the calamities that have come upon this land. And we may have only seen the introduction to what lies ahead. And so I caution every one of us that we might know the only true God, John 17, 3, Remember, in our previous lessons, we've tried to carefully, carefully we've tried, I don't know if we succeeded, to demonstrate that the theology of the Old Testament focused on a God who was incomprehensible. He was a God that, upon whose face no one has ever seen. And no one to this day has ever seen the face of the one true and living God and in the essence of that one God there is three persons father son and Holy Spirit and those three persons that are part of the one essence one essence one nature one being that is God work as a triune body to affect what eternally each of them represent as God. For every one of them is co-equal, co-eternal, and they all share the same attributes. God the Father is omnipotent. God the Son is omnipotent. God the Holy Spirit is omnipotent. God our Father is just. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is altogether just. The Holy Spirit is altogether just. None is greater, none is lesser. And every person in the triune nature of God is no different than you here this morning. Every one of you is one person. But in unity, a spirit, a soul, and a body Is what makes you, you. And your body is just as important as the spirit. Spirit is as important as the soul. None is greater, none is lesser. But all together, they form the essence of who you are. And we are made in the image and the likeness of God, Genesis 1, 26. And because of that, we can identify with the triune nature of God. And that is what we need to do. So as we move into our season of history, beloved, I guess I'm trying to motivate and exhort and encourage and even convict you and convince you that we need God the Father, and we need the Son, and we need the Holy Spirit. All three members, Of the Godhead they're all reflective of one God just as we are one person in a triune nature of spirit soul and body now that is what this yellow sheet that I passed out is all about and on the reverse side of this yellow sheet you'll see there there are the testimony of the three most significant statements made by the apostles about the triune nature of God, the the triune nature, the Trinity. Now, listen carefully. People who deny the Trinity, deny the triune nature of God, by biblical definition, are not Christians. People who deny the triune nature of God are not Christian. Because with your own eyes, with your own ears, you can walk outside the doors of this sanctuary and look at these oak trees, look at the blue heavens, look at the birds flying. And you know what God is. He's the creator, the designer of everything in this universe. But if you want to know who God is, you better open your Bibles. Because only God... Those who know their Bible are going to identify who God is. And God is one God in three persons. He's Father, He's Son, and He's Holy Spirit. And that is why this morning, when we opened up the service, and our brother Evan Henderson opened this service up with a hymn selected by our beloved sister Julie, and he announced our first opening hymn from in, found in the blue hymn book this morning. And that uh, hymn is number 34. The God of Abraham prays. The words of this song are so powerful. Because they tell us. In the very last, in the very last verse. Listen to this. The whole triumphant host. Give thanks to God on high. Hail. Hail. Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, they ever cry, Hail, Abraham's God and mine. I join the heavenly lays. All might and majesty are thine, and endless praise. Amen. Beautiful hymn. So today, beloved, in this season of history, when all the calamity around us is unfolding. And we don't know where 2024 is going to take us. But we're on a roller coaster and we're buckled in. and We're not like the little boy sitting on his daddy's lap on the roller coaster who said, Daddy, hold on to me, daddy. Hold on to me, I think I'm going to die. Buckle your seatbelts, church. And hold on to the hand of the God who alone will deliver you. Hold on to the hand of Jesus. We sing a song called Take My Hand. Hold on. So today, Father, In heaven, guide us, we pray in Christ's name. Now, we left off with our white sheet. We're back to the white sheet now. And as I leave the white sheet, I remind you that St. Paul the Apostle is the one. He used the Apostle John, he used the Apostle Peter in a mighty way, not to discount his marvelous way. But St. Paul the Apostle was the one that God charged with unveiling the mystery of the Godhead. St. Paul, and the the verses that I've quoted under uh, St. Paul in this yellow sheet. Now I'm in the process right now of memorizing these verses because I believe they are a fast track. Biblically speaking, to know more about the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. And that's my personal private opinion, of course. So what we want to do today, people, is we're going to pick up right where we left off and we're ready to talk about, the, uh, in the white sheet, we're ready to talk about the creation. The Trinity, the triunity of God in the creation. Now, we need not spend a lot of time on this. What we're saying in this in this uh, part of our lesson is that all three members of the triune nature of God are on the scene with the creation of the universe. All three members are there. I didn't say three gods. That's tritheism. We're, we're not tritheists. We're triune. We're theist believers in the in the triune nature of. Of God now we know beloved that when we read Genesis chapter 1 verse 1 Genesis 1 1 in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth that word God is Elohim Elohim it's a plural noun inherent latent within that word meaning Not yet explained or manifested or is the triune nature of God. The very name Elohim is a plural word encompassing the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He's one God, Elohim. That name appears about 2,500 times in the story of God's dealing in the Old Testament about 2,500 times. So when we come to Genesis chapter number 1, verse 26, when we come to Genesis chapter number 3, verse 22, when we come to Genesis 11, verse 7, when we go to the book of Isaiah chapter 6, we find the plural pronoun us and our, in reference to the triune nature of God. And God said, "Let's say this with me, and God said, Genesis 1, 26, and God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness, or after our likeness, in our image, and after our likeness. So there you have it. The triune nature of God on the scene in creation. Now God the Father planned the creation. He's the The plan. He's the designer. God the Son executed it. And the Holy Spirit is the force, the power that moved upon the created world. May I prove it from the Bible. Open your Bible to Genesis chapter 1. And what do you read in verse number 2? What does Genesis chapter number 1 verse 2 say? What does it say? Genesis 1, 2. And the earth was without form, and void and darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God, that's capitalized, that's Holy Spirit, moved upon the face of the waters. Now, church, we could spend a lot of time On the triune nature of God in creation a lot of time but let's summarize it by saying God the Father designed it he's the one who planned it but Christ Jesus is the one who executed it and on that score I need to quote some verses out of the Bible You're already familiar with what John said, In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. Verse 14, John 1, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And now that next phrase is in brackets. It's a parenthetical statement John's making. And we, the apostles, we beheld His glory. John's saying, I looked at Him. The apostles seen Him. We looked upon the Word that was made flesh. Jesus. We beheld His glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John 1.18, no man has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son in the which is in the bosom of the Father, even He declared Him. So God alone declared Him. Now Jesus is the only image that we have of the one eternal living God. Colossians one fifteen, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. For by Him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in the earth, visible and invisible all the fullness dwell. Beautiful words. So Jesus executed the creation. Executed. Here's another proof. This is Ephesians 3, verse 9. And to make all men see, Ephesians 3, 9. To make all men see. Now the word man encompasses women. To make every man and every woman in this congregation today see. See. Know. Understand. The fellowship of the mystery. The fellowship of the mystery. Which from the beginning of the world was hid in God. Who created all things by Jesus Christ. What a statement who created all things by Jesus Christ, the executor of the creation. Now, it's not our goal here to multiply verses, church, but we need to know that the Bible places Jesus on the scene of creation as the executor of the creation. Now, that ought to make everyone in this congregation, anytime we're singing a song about the triune nature of God, you need to look to the heavens and know that you're made in the image and the likeness of the very God who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Oh, yes. So I'm going to give you the final proof that Jesus is on the scene in creation. In many ways, this is one of the most beautiful statements on this subject. See if you know where I'm going. This is what the Bible says in a certain place. I'll tell you in a minute where it is. But you guessed. You go ahead of me. God who at sundry times and in divers places spake in time past unto us by the fathers through the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom he made the worlds. Where am I at? Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. But let's, let's go to verse 3. This is Jesus, who being the brightness of His glory and the express image of His person. There's that word person. The person. Image of His person and upholding all things by the word of His power when He had by Himself purged our sins Set down at the right hand of the majesty on high. That's Jesus. Hebrews 1, 1, 2, and 3. Now, church, we know that the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are the active agents in the creation. Now, when we say that God our Father Almighty is the Creator, that's perfectly good. I can say Elohim is the Creator. And I'm just right on target. I can say Jehovah is the Creator. Good, perfect. There's only one God. In the unity of His being, in the unity of His being, He is Jehovah. I don't talk to my brothers here in this congregation and say, may I speak to your spirit? Can I talk to your soul today? Would you please allow me to address your body? No, I I talk to them by name. They're a unified whole. So Jehovah is God in unity. The unity of who he is. The nature of God is the nature of who God is. He's omnipotent. He's just. He's holy. He's righteous. He's everything that's good. That's God. And every one of His attributes are shared in the, by the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is omnipotent. The Holy Spirit can... Melt this congregation as he did on the day of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit is the power that was attending Jesus at his baptism. The voice from heaven was the voice of God the Father who said what? This is my, well, be, beloved's, my, I am, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And who is being baptized? Jesus. All three members of the triune nature of God are visibly present at the baptism of Jesus in the river Jordan, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And Matthew, Mark, and Luke record it. Matthew's found in chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. Mark has his own version and so does St. Luke. Now, church, we're getting ready to leave the story of creation, but not before I have a heart-to-heart talk with you. And here's what I'd like to explain to this congregation. Do you know why America is in collapse today? There may be more than one reason, but I'm going to tell you where I think the beginning of the collapse is. Here's where I think we derailed the American train. This is where the American train jumped the track and all the, tr- the cars in the train piled up. Do you know that the, created, the creation is the foundation of all Bible truth? Who we say created this universe, this earth, and all life in it, is the beginning. It's the foundation of your faith. Evolution is a religion. Evolution came into the Western world to destroy the idea of God and creation. Evolution, evolutionary humanism, was the beginning of the dismantling of the paradigm, the structural foundation that identified the Western Christian biblical world. Our United States of America was erected and built, as was the British Isles, as was all the countries of Europe, Scandinavia, Australia, Canada, South Africa, and everywhere else, where the lights are, wherever there's electricity shining, you can better believe that Israelites of the white race were behind it. Now, think about it, church, think of this way. When you leave the book of Genesis behind as a culture... When you leave the Bible behind as a culture, and America did that. In 1963, the Supreme Court of the United States said, we will not read the Bible anymore in public fool system. No more reading of the Bible in the public fool system of America. They didn't use the word fool, that's mine. But we fooled ourselves. We were the fools when we took God out of the public schools. And every time they have a mass killing, I think about it. That's what they get when they take God out of the public schools. They get mass murder. Because there's no moral code left. Now, folks, listen. We may, we may tend to overemphasize this. I know there's a lot of time spent on this subject. We had a marvelous lesson delivered on the genesis creation just days ago right here in this congregation not by me but by brother reed benson marvelous lesson on the creation but here's the bottom line church you cannot escape the first 31 verses of the bible without without having the essential paradigm of the entire biblical foundation for the Western Christian world laid out before you. It, possess, it presents God as the Creator. It defines what a week is. It introduces you to the Holy Sabbath. I said Holy Sabbath of God, not the, not the fringe uh, lunacy that we hear today. I'm talking about the biblical Sabbath. I'm talking about the one God gave us, not the one that human opinion gave us. Not the one's human opinion would have you uh, follow. I'm talking about the one that these children could read and understand. I'm talking about six solar days, and on the seventh day God rested. The, The Bible defines time in the first chapter. It organizes the first week. You think of how loaded the first chapter of Genesis is. America decoupled from that train of truth. We simply let that whole caravan of of passenger cars pile up on a track. A major train wreck in this country begin in 1960, and we're still, we're still dismantling, now we're dismantling the track the train ran on, so we can leave nothing, no traces left, so that one day buffalo grass will grow up in the tracks, like the grass that's growing up in Salisbury, Rhodesia, So they tell me, beautiful capital of Zimbabwe, Rhodesia, going back to the jungle. Because they drove the white man out of Rhodesia. When they drive the white people out of America, the lights, the electricity may go off. Wherever God's children are, there are the blessings. Read your Bible. God promised to bless the whole earth through Abraham's seed. Abraham's seed turned the lights on in the world. Electricity is the byproduct of of the blessing of God upon one people in the earth. And every blessing we enjoy from air conditioning, I don't care what you want to call it, if it's good, God's blessing was upon the people that He said He would bless. You don't know who Israel is. You don't know how to read the Bible. The Bible was not written to the whole world. It was written to God's family. Written to a family of Israelites. When you open to Genesis 1... God establishes the ironclad, non negotiable, forever non changeable paradigm of truth. God made male and female, gender. God made all genetic diversity after their own kind. God never bothered to enumerate nor identify all the races in Genesis 1. Instead of verse 31 verses, it would have had 131 verses. God wrote the Bible to one people. This is the book of the generations of Adam. Genesis 5, 1. Case closed. The Bible was not written to give an account of all the distinctive separate races in the earth. God wrote the Bible to His people, His family. This is the book of the generations of Adam. So God defined genetics. God defined gender. God defined the roles of gender. God tells you what the man does what the woman does. The world today says there's 51 genders. Do you know what that is? Well, those are PhDs telling us that. Now, I know that everybody in here knows what, a, what the, the initials BS means. That's the first degree that you get in college. It's called a Bachelor of Science more often than not. It's B.S. A Master's degree is more of the same stuff. M.S. Just a little more. And a Ph.D. is piled higher and deeper. And The Ph.D.s are the ones that are telling us that there are 51 genders. It is the educated upper class psychologists, psychiatrists, lunatics that are telling us that we can give an eight-year-old girl a hysterectomy. That we can slice her breasts off. And that we can chemically castrate our eight-year-old boys. That is the most vile, wicked form of wickedness on the planet. And God will not Spare a nation that does it, condones it, tolerates it, funds it, promotes it, gives license to it. God help those who believe that lunacy. And that brings us back to the fact of creation. So why are what's happening into us in America is the structural foundation? that built the country, that built the West, that built the Western world, that structural framework is in collapse. And with it, the whole social, political, economic order is in collapse with it. But you don't have to go with that train wreck. You don't have to travel that road. You can stay glued to your Bible. You can be a Bible believing, blood war, spirit-filled, devil, chasing, hating, sin hating Christian. If you choose, choose ye this day whom ye will serve. Evolution is a is a religious. Have mercy on the children that are being given daily doses of gender dysphoria. Evolutionary humanism that are being told, they're being told how to enjoy physical intimacy when you're seven years old. This is a tragedy that America as an educated nation allows such abuse of children. When we talk about the creation, folks, that's foundational. We dare not leave it unattended. We cannot, we cannot leave it unattended, unattended. Now I believe that there is very credible evidence that Charles Darwin, as he approached his death, repented of his, repented, repented of his. Absolute foolish talk. When he, 1859, he wrote the Origin of the Species, and about 1871, he wrote the Descent of Man from Monkey. Well, you know, I think there's a pretty good case that there are people in America that may have developed out of the pin- chimpanzee crowd. If it talks like a duck, walks like a duck, quacks like a duck, that just might be a duck. And I'll tell you, we have some crazy people in America today, and they have the microphones. A little fringe have the microphones, and boy, they're directing traffic because they own the power and the structure of the power in the creation can you believe we live in a country that actually is teaching people that they, a man can become a woman? That a, a woman can become a man? Did you ever believe that you'd live in such a time of history? When a man is going to try to chest feed his baby by chemical producing his own milk. Well, I better not go down that road. Spare me, dear father. I don't want to vent my anger my frustration. I want to say to a remnant of believers, hold on to God's Word. Don't surrender one syllable of Bible truth. It was true a thousand years ago. It is true today. It was true for Moses and Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, and it's true for you today. It was true for John the Baptist, and it's good enough for you today. God's Word. All members of the triunity were there. Now let's go to the next segment, redemption. Redemption. Now we're... We're not going to get out of this, so relax. We know that. We're not going to get out of this, so we understand that to be true. So we're talking now about redemption. And, you know, redemption. Remember when Israel left Egypt? God said, I am redeeming my people, redeeming them from slavery. Redemption is one of the great theological terms in salvation history. Redemption. I looked the word up in Webster's 1828 and theolo- uh, dictionary, and theologically, redemption means the act of God through the merits of Jesus Christ redeeming, buying back from slavery and death the people chosen. salvation. He redeemed them from their bondage of sin and death. Redemption. Now, let me show something to you this morning. All you people that have excellent eyes, here's the Federal Reserve note that was issued in 1928. I hold it up here. And anybody's welcome to look at this. It's a collector's item. On this $50 note, it says, This is redeemable in gold on demand at the U.S. Treasury. Or in gold or in lawful money at any Federal Reserve Bank. In 1928, you could walk into a bank with this $50, and you could say, I'd like to redeem this in gold. They would take your money, paper money, and give you lawful money. When it says redeemable in lawful money, it means this paper money is not lawful money. It's not lawful. Excuse me, I just watched part of my technology disappear before my eyes. Thought surely somebody's up here helping me. So here we are, church, a nation of counterfeit money. You couldn't redeem one green paper note today for anything. It's The only thing backing it is air. In 1928, just ahead of the Great Depression, you could get gold back for your money. Not today. Not today. But I found the word redeem, redeemable. It can be redeemed in something of value. God redeemed His people out of slavery. We are all born into sin nature. We're born into death and under the sentence of death and judgment to come. We are all born from the womb. Now, I know a lot of Christians don't believe this. They believe a child is born into the world innocent. And he's in innocence until... One day he finds out how to sin. Do you know children know how to sin? And the Bible says they are transgressors from the womb. That's biblical. Transgressors from the womb. They're born with the sentence of death and judgment. And the power of God through the blood sacrifice of Jesus redeemed us redeems us from that condition in the old testament in deuteronomy chapter number 27 i'm going to read this verse from deuteronomy chapter number 27 it's a beautiful chapter in the book of deuteronomy and it goes into great elaborate detail enumerating the son the sins rather catalogs the sins of israel That's Deuteronomy 27, and it ends with this verse. It says, now the word cursed is all the way through the chapter. Deuteronomy 27, 26. Cursed, cursed, cursed be he that confirmeth not all the words of this law to do them. And all the people shall say, Amen. Every one of us were under a curse because of sin. That's why we enter into the world under a curse. As a child, we're under the curse of a sentence of death and judgment to come from the wrath of God. Now this is what the Bible says. And by one man, Adam's sin entered into the world, and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men for that all have sinned. Why is death a universal phenomenon? Do you know, do you know, is it true that little children can die? Can a newborn child be born, stillborn, with no life? Can they die in the womb? Can they die outside the womb? Yes, death, death can come at any time for anyone because we're under the sentence of death and judgment. But God lifted that sentence of death and a judgment to come from God's wrath when Jesus went to Calvary and paid the sin debt for those who are redeemed. God, our Father, went to the blood bank of His Son, and He said, here's a list of the people That I'm going to redeem. I'm going to redeem every one of them. Not with silver and gold. As the apostle Peter tells us. 1 Peter chapter 1. 18 and 19. Not with corruptible things like silver and gold. That gain rust. And can be corrupted. But I redeem you in the precious blood of Jesus. The sinless. Spotless. Blood of Jesus. Redeems us. Saves us from the wrath to come, so that when you die and meet Jesus, he will say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord, and you will not have to watch a soul descending into hell to await the judgment of Gehenna for the unsaved wicked who reject Christ in this world. As we draw close to the end of our time, remember what I just read from Deuteronomy 27, verse 26. Cursed be everyone that has ever lived in violation of the law. That's my paraphrasing of that verse. We're all under a curse until until Jesus lifts the curse from you. The only way that curse is lifted from you is if you're willing to be humble, to be broken, to empty yourself of pride and look up to heaven and say, God, I confess my sin. I plead the blood of Jesus Christ and I ask forgiveness for my sins and I ask, for Jesus Christ to take possession of my life and be the Lord of my life, as you are the Savior of my soul. So what do we read in, Coloss- in, in Galatians? Galatians 3.13. It's one of the most quoted verses in the Bible. Galatians 3.13. Oh, what a beautiful verse. Listen to this verse, church. It's absolutely breathtaking, almost. Galatians 3.13, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law. Being made a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. What better verse in the Bible can you read about your redemption Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law. Not the law. He redeemed us from the curse that we were held on, under. The penalty. The penalty of living in con, in, contrary to the perfect law of God, living outside of God's law, in disobedience to that law, that... It's why we came under a curse. Jesus came to lift that curse from all those who will repent, confess their sins, and cry out to God. And if God has called them, they will be moved within their heart to repent and come to Christ. And I close with this statement from Galatians 4, 4, and 5. Closing statement. Beautiful words, Galatians 4, 4, and 5. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth His Son made of a woman, made under the law to redeem them that were under the law. To redeem them that were under the law. I'm in Galatians four, 4 and 5, 4, 4, and five. To redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons, Galatians four, four and five. Now yes. This is the end, so just take a deep breath. Prepare to unfasten your seat belt. The roller coaster ride is over. It says that Christ came to redeem them that were under the law. Did you all hear that? Nowhere does the Bible say that Christ came to redeem those that were never under the law. Now, that just destroyed about 80% of all theological preaching in America today. They will tell you that Christ died to redeem everyone. Black, white, spotted, striped, everybody. But the Bible says he came to redeem them that were under the law. So what does the Bible say about the law? Forgive me, Father, I forgot about this verse. He showeth his word unto Jacob, his statutes and his judgments unto Israel, He hath not dealt so with any other nations, nation. And as for His judgments, they know them not. God gave the law to the people that He's going to redeem from that law. Where the law placed them under a curse, the grace of Christ was greater than their sin. The grace of Christ was greater than the curse itself. And you and I are the recipients of that grace today. Let's stand up and praise God in His house today.